Welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Each day we'll look at a text from the weekly readings from the Westgate Church Bulletin. We will look at background material and also application of the text. So once again, welcome to the Illuminated Word Podcast. Our reading today comes from Daniel chapter 4, verses 24 through 37. It is a bright and shiny Friday. I can't talk today, Philip. We're having, I'm having a rough morning, my man. But uh, a bright day here in Dothan, Alabama, a little bit chilly. It's good to have Philip with me. Philip, how are you doing today? Well, I'm going to be okay. Yes, sir. I'm we, looking out the window and it's sunshiny. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful day. We've had to, Philip and I have had to pull each other through. We've had a rough morning so far, so we're, <laughs> we're getting there. <laughs> we're getting there. But uh, today our reading is really interesting. And, and as usual, Philip's going to bring some excellent insight to this passage. And we're looking at a dream that King Nebuchadnezzar has, and it's just a strange dream. Uh, where he dreams of this tree that that grows to the heavens. Basically, the whole world can see it. All flesh is is fed by this tree, but this tree is judged by this group called the Watchers. And this tree is, the limbs are chopped and the the leaves are cut off of it. And it's chopped all the way down to a stump and an iron band is put on the stump. And so we have this judgment coming against this tree and also against Nebuchadnezzar. And we're going to pick up today with the judgment in the interpretation. So Daniel the prophet is finally called in, or Daniel, this Hebrew man, is called in to give this interpretation of the dream. I kind of wondered uh, why he didn't call him in the first place, but he had tried all his other guys. They couldn't interpret it. Now Daniel comes in to, to do the job. So I'm going to read now uh, verses 24 through 37. And Philip, I'm actually reading from the New King James Version today. I've left my ESV at the office. So here we go. We're going to go with the New King James Version today. I think everything will hold together with that, but uh, we're going to read from that version uh, today. This is the interpretation, O king, and this is the decree of the Most High, which has come upon my Lord the King. They shall drive you from men. Your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field, and they shall make you eat grass like oxen. Then shall wet you with the dew of heaven, and seven times shall pass over you, till you know that the Most High rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whoever he chooses. And inasmuch as they gave the command to leave the stump and roots of the tree, your kingdom should be assured to you after you have come to know that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, let my advice be acceptable to you. Break off your sins by being righteous and your iniquities by showing mercy to the poor. Perhaps they may be a lengthening of your prosperity. All this came upon Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of the 12 months, he was walking about the royal palace of Babylon. The king spoke, saying, is not this great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling by my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in, his, in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it is spoken, the kingdom has departed from you. And they shall drive you from men, and your dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make you eat grass like oxen, and seven times shall pass over you until you know that the most high rules in the kingdom of men and gives it to whomever he chooses. That very hour, the word was fulfilled concerning Nebuchadnezzar. He was driven from men and ate grass like oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven till his hair had grown like eagle's feathers and his nails like a bird's claws. And at the end of the time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted my eyes to heaven and my understanding returned to me and I blessed the Most High and praised and honored him who lives forever. For his dominion is an everlasting dominion. His kingdom is from generation to generation. All the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing. He does according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. 
no one can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? And at that same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor and splendor returned to me. My counselors and nobles resorted, me, resorted to me. And I was restored to my kingdom and excellent majesty was added to me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways justice and those who walk in his pride, he is able to put down. Now, Philip, we talked at length before we came on about what this could be all about. And we talked about whose fault it is, first of all, that this is all coming about. But what, what do you think this is really all about? If you were to boil all this down and not get distracted by a man eating grass and acting like an animal, what do you, what do you really think this is about? Well, I, I, think, I think this whole story, although it centers around the king, because that makes the most sense, not only a king, but the king of the world at that time, as far as we know, he was the most powerful man in the world, then it, trick, it can trickle down to, uh, to any of us. So I think this story is good whether you're, because the commonality in it is that no one person is in charge of even themselves. And we, we're reminded that James made that point when he said, when you start planning what you're going to do tomorrow, you, you better back off and say, if God wills, because you're not in charge. Not, none of us can control one minute in the future of our life. We have no idea what's fixing to happen. Uh, I had a friend who was going to work. And he walked into the lobby of the place where he worked and had a massive heart attack and died on the spot. We do. And Nebuchadnezzar had plans. In fact, he, he had such plans that he, he now envisioned himself as being in charge of, of everything. He had all the plans. And God, God wants to make a point to us, I don't think just to Nebuchadnezzar, but he wants to make a point to us who is in charge. Somehow, as man has moved along and has been able to do some things, he's begun to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. And Nebuchadnezzar had reached the sort of epitome of that. He was the greatest man, and he believed it. And so he believed that he was greater than God. And that's a terrible thing to say, but I believe that's what this passage is telling us. Because the key phrase that keeps coming up over and over and over again is, until you know, not until you believe, but until you know. That's interesting because we normally think in terms of, you know, what you know. And it kind of reminds me of Job. So he's setting out the question God. And the, the questioner became the one question. God said, well, let's, let's see what you know, Job. You, you have all these ideas and all these beliefs, but what do you know? The thing that we need to know is that God is in charge of our lives, of our world, of our family, our business, or whatever we're, whatever we're doing. Isn't it interesting that this message is given to Nebuchadnezzar. He's very troubled by it. He gets the information. And then he goes along for a year 
and nothing happens. The dream doesn't come true. Maybe he then takes a position, well, I guess it's, it's okay, I'm all right. There wasn't anything to that. So he's up on his roof one day, the highest point, and he's looking around at all of his glory. And he decides he'll take credit for it, which means he didn't believe that God was who he said earlier God was. You remember he's already had several occasions in which he's had to acknowledge that God was the God. But Nebuchadnezzar evidently thought that he was equal or superior because he's now going to take credit for everything. And right at that moment, he loses everything. And he's going to lose it until he's thought through the process long enough to know, not just believe, say, oh, I have faith. No, no, to know. And uh, we used to sing that song, I know whom I have believed. Well, that's, we know whom we've believed. The belief is one thing, but knowing is another thing. And I think there are a lot of us today who approach our day not knowing. We, we have some beliefs, but we don't know. You think for a minute about the people in Rome who marched into the arena knowing they were about to be slaughtered, but they didn't hang back. They went because they also knew something else. We said that was faith. Well, there's more than faith. It was faith that had become knowledge. And I think that's where we're lacking today in the church. We're lacking that way in our daily life. We're lacking that way in government. We don't really trust God to be in charge. And there's a lot of fighting going on right now in the world and in our country, both places, all, all, all over, over who's going to run things, who's going to be in charge. And they may all wind up eating grass. I don't know. <laughs> it's quite, it might be a good option in some of these cases. <laughs> One thing is for sure, the minute you start thinking you're in charge of everything, history proves that, uh, that your kingdom won't last. Yeah, they'll Even be in the- God will last, but your kingdom won't last. And uh, when you start saying, I'm gonna do this, and I'm gonna do that, and I'm gonna do this, you better be saying, if that's what God wants, that's what will happen. Yeah. Um, and I, I think for those of us who are not kings, and not presidents and not dictators or leaders or whatever in the world. We don't run. And we can sit on top of our roof, just like uh, Nebuchadnezzar did, and say, oh boy, look what I've done. Look what I've accomplished. I, I, look, at my, uh, I look at my diploma up on the wall. I look at my bank account. I look at my house and my yard, my flowers, my car, my clothes, my good name, and I start thinking about how good I am and how wonderful I am as if God was on vacation while I grew up. And, and I think that's what this passage is all about. It's, uh, it's to remind us that we need to know who God is. He's God. And, and I guess we're not. Some people need to be reminded of that. The, the one thing, Philip, I find interesting in this is Nebuchadnezzar's language at the beginning of the passage. You know, he's saying, 
uh, how mighty God's wonders are. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. His dominion is forever. So he's talking a good game. And a lot of people do that. They talk a good game. They talk, they believe in God. So you got two options here for people. Either they talk a good game, they know the will of God, but somehow that doesn't connect. Obedience somehow does not come into play. You can believe in God, but, you know, I've always thought of it this way. Faith without following is really not faith. Um, it's something else, but don't call it faith in, in God. If you have faith in God, there's going to be a following of his command. In some cases, it could just be ignorance. Um, you have a, a massive case of biblical ignorance in our times where you have people have this cultural view of God. Well, I believe in God. I believe in, in Christ. You know, I wear this crucifix. You know, I've, I've got a you know, Christian art in my home or whatever, however far you want to take it, but they have no concept of what God's will is. And so the idea of God being sovereign over every square inch of their life. Abraham Kuyper had a famous quote. He was a, a Dutch politician and a preacher. Believe that, a preacher and a politician combined. That's kind of nuts. But he uh, said there's not one square inch of the universe in which God doesn't declare that's mine. Uh, he's sovereign over every bit of it. So I think that's kind of what I was picking up from you is there's this, maybe even in moderns, you see this people saying they believe in God. But there's a willful disobedience to his will or they don't know it. It's one or the other. Well, I, for those of us who, who, who profess to believe in God, uh, the problem is that, that we don't believe enough for it to become knowledge. It's still in the, I think a little bit, maybe, maybe one way to explain it is to think in terms of Peter. When he decided to walk on the water, he believed that he could. He believed that he could, or he wouldn't have done it. But somewhere he lost the belief because it wasn't knowledge. Even though he had done it, he still didn't know he could do it. And so Nebuchadnezzar can say all those wonderful things about God, but in his heart, he didn't know. He didn't know who he was and who God was. Yeah. That's, that's, that's so true because he has 12 months. He's been warned. And a year later, he gets up on the roof and says the craziness. He says, well, look at all what I've done. Look at what, look at this that I've created. The, the me, the me. What was that other where was that other speech? Yeah. <laughs> Gods yeah, of the heaven. Where's, where's that speech? Well, that went away. He made a good one there at the first the, a year before. Right. A year later, he's talking in completely different terms. Well, and, and I think at the time he made that statement, he's like a lot of us. He really he did, he did believe that, but it hadn't gotten to the core to where he had understood that that changed him. God was all this powerful, but he still thought that that meant he had power too. Right. And, and you can't confess God as being God of all and think that you have anything to say about anything. So there's, there's That's a, hard for us. Yeah. And I, I think I, under, I get what you're saying. Like there's a difference in professed beliefs. Like I profess a lot of things, but that's a lot different than a core belief that becomes knowledge that really changes your mental map. You know, when it really sinks in and the coin drops, then that knowledge transforms your mental map to where you see things completely different, like the whole world changes. And so for Nebuchadnezzar, maybe this is like that professed belief, like I say this, 
but deep in his core value system, it had not changed him. There was not a deep knowledge that God is sovereign and he is not. Would that be a, an accurate assessment? I think so. I was looking at it from the standpoint that you say these things about God, but it doesn't change what you say about yourself. That's a good point. That's a really good point. Uh, when you say these things about God, then what it has to say about you is, and I'm nothing. Yes. God is everything and I'm nothing. God can do everything I can do. Nothing. God is control of everything. I'm in control of nothing. Not my yeah. next breath. I'm not in control of my next breath. That makes a lot of sense of how that, that is the core message possibly here in this passage that, that really carries over for all of us. For the Jews in Babylon, that's their, their problem. It's, about, it's, it's Nebuchadnezzar's problem in this story, but it's everyone's problem. It really is a pervasive human problem. Yeah, until you can walk out into a, or you do like that girl did in Colorado and say, yes, I believe, What's knowing it? you're fixing to be shot. Yeah. What's a powerful that's, story. Of that's, not, that's not just faith. That's knowledge. Yeah. She knew who he is and who she was. What's a moving I story. I think that's the problem with a lot of us. It was never Necker's problem. He knew who God was, but he also had a false impression of who Nebuchadnezzar was. Yeah, that's good stuff. That's really good stuff. Well, Philip, this has been awesome. And you uh, took, once again, a passage where we could have been off in like seven different 80 directions and kind of gave us, here's the core. This is what it's about. Here's what we take forward. And so for us, 21st century people, who is God and who are we before God? You know, we say we believe in God. Is there a core knowledge that changes how you see yourself? And I think that's a really great point, Philip. How does that change how we see ourselves before God. We are nothing before him. The next breath is a, is a blessing from him. He is totally sovereign. He is in control. Philip, I, I, I'd like to add one thing to that. We sang this song that had the words in it, such a worm as I. I remember that song. <laughs> well, there's even a danger of thinking yourself as a worm because it focuses attention on you. In reality, I'm not a worm. Outside of God, I am nothing. I'm not even a worm. I'm nothing. It's only in God's sight that I have any value whatsoever. When I put value on me from my sight, I'm taking a value that I don't own, I don't possess. My only value comes from God. Without God, I don't have any value whatsoever. I'm, a, I'm I'm not a worm. I'm, 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 you know, I'm much higher than a worm in God's sight, and I'm nothing if I'm not in His sight. I, I, I just think, you know, this is Nebuchadnezzar's problem. He, he couldn't get rid of Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah. And we, have, we can't get rid of ourselves until it becomes all God, all of self, none of thee. He must increase, and I must decrease. What's yeah, well, good? we have to just disappear. Yeah, that, that will stick with me, the whole, uh, I can't get rid of Nebuchadnezzar. I got, I've got that same problem, except I'm not Nebuchadnezzar. That would be a weird name for me to have. But <laughs> <laughs> My parents were mean enough to buy me the ugliest glasses any kid could ever have, but that name would have been even worse. But it's true. There's, there's, there's always me, and I need to fade, and it all become God. Philip, thank you for this today. This was awesome. 
as usual. I'm not shocked. It's a lot easier to talk about than it is to do. <laughs> it is. But we need something we should work on. You know, we need to keep in mind we're not who we think we are outside of God. Amen. It's really easy to give people all this advice on the podcast, too. It's harder to actually live it out. I got to go live it now, Philip. Okay. That's <laughs> what we got to do now. Yes, sir. I love you, brother. You have a great rest of your weekend. Thank you. All right, brother. You I'll see you next next time. All right. All right. Good. Bye. Bye.